Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our very first Connecting Conversations, where we hope to connect and talk a little bit about the Sunday Sermon, which in this case was the walk to Emmaus. Today, my special guest will be Reverend Fred Bosch. But before we get there, just to say that um, as we journey with this live stream interview, it is the first time that we're giving this a crack and hopefully we manage to get everything working all right. I know the sound is a little sensitive. For some, you might just have to adjust your own volumes. There's not a lot that I can do about that at this stage. The idea, if you, uh, if you are coming in, please uh, send us a comment, um, like the feed, uh, tell us where you're watching from. And uh, we would hope to be able to uh, speak a little bit to some of the comments as we get more into the content of the sermon, uh, into the content of the discussion. So, as I say, it is meant to be an engaging thing. The title of these interviews is going to be called, not an interview, but a connecting conversation where we connect over something and, and you connect too. So please feel free to, to put in those comments and to, and to be part of the discussion, become part of what's going on here. We aim to keep this to strictly half an hour. And uh, as I say, we'll, um, we'll get through that in a minute. My name uh, is Reverend Stuart Bosch. I'm the minister at Bundaberg Uniting Church. If you're joining us from, uh, from an international location, Welcome to you. It's good to have you uh, send us a comment and tell us where from. Tonight, the very special guest star is somebody who I've, I've known for a long time, actually. His, uh, his name is Reverend Fred Bosch. And if you haven't put it all together yet, uh, Fred is my father. And uh, Dad, it is wonderful to have you uh, be participating in our very first um, in our very first connecting conversations. Uh, so welcome to you, Dad. How are you doing? Stuart, thank you very much for the opportunity to be part of this uh, experience with you. Um, I'm doing well, but good evening to you and to the listeners. I want to say, just first of all, thank you very much for the live streaming service, which you saw on Sunday. Thank you to you and your team and very special thanks to Reverend Ray and to Dan. I think their participation certainly gave context to Australia's Anzac Day. But thank you very much for that. And thank you for this opportunity. That's great, Dad. Thank you. It's good to have you with us. Dad is well known to the Bundaberg congregation when they visited here for a while. And uh, a lot of comments coming up saying, good to see you again, Fred. So I guess that's a little bit of a hint to say that we'd like to see you here again uh, in, in the flesh. Dad, obviously the thing that's uh, stopping us from doing that is, um, is the coronavirus. I know it's not part of the Sunday sermon, but just you touch on briefly how you're going in South Africa and how South Africa is going with the, with the crisis that we're all in. Well, Steve, you probably know that at the moment we're, we're under level four lockdown, and that's fairly strict. But for, for a lot of us, um, yeah, mom and myself especially, we're very comfortable, but very, very conscious of the fact that a large proportion of our population are living below the breadline. Right. And so poverty and hunger is a, is a massive, massive problem to deal with. 
But the amazing thing is just how people have come together and have reached out to those who are in need. And this has been quite, quite a revelation, both of the situation in our country and also of the, the willingness of people to help wherever they can. So, so it's been quite an experience and quite a revelation in many ways. But we ourselves are, are comfortable. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for telling us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about yourself for those maybe who don't know you. We've got uh, we've got people tuning in from from everywhere. Good evening to Phil on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, tell us a little bit, Dad. Maybe a very uh, brief history. If you start off with the day you were born, I'm going to cut you short. But uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about um, a little bit about yourself, your family, your ministry. Uh, you know that wonderful third son that you had. Uh, a little bit of those sort of details. Yeah. Well, Stuart, it's, it's difficult to put 55 years of ministry into a minute or so. <laughs> but um, let me just concentrate on two things. I think the first thing is you know, the things that have controlled my ministry. The first is my calling. I, I came to know Christ at the age of 15 at a youth camp. And over the weekend at that camp, I also had the call to ministry. When on a very rugged cross nailed to a tree, uh, the words about the cross were, were these, this is what I have done for you. And at the bottom of the cross were the words, what will you do for me? And that was my, the beginning of my call to the ministry. And throughout my ministry, that call has been central, a call to world and sacrament and pastoral care. And then the other thing which has been a, a very major part of my ministry is um, ministering to a framework of priorities. I found that that has enabled me to keep focus throughout my life. Um, the very first priority was God, His kingdom, and His will. Right. That was of paramount importance throughout my ministry. Secondly was uh, wife and family, um, also extremely important. And thirdly was the church. And I think with that framework, um, I managed to not only minister freely, but actually enjoy the ministry, knowing that there was this framework. And that has been a guide throughout my ministry and something for which I'll be eternally grateful. That's Very briefly, um, that's my ministry. I've, I've ministered both in the city um, and in suburbs. Um, and it's been a joy. I've made it on long-term ministries and I found that to be very, very helpful and, and rewarding in terms of, of what the ministry is about. Thank you, Dad. Thanks for telling us that. Um, Dad, as we get into the, the topic of the sermon, um, I began off, I began talking about the, the sermon on the walk to Emmaus as something which has always stood out for me as a story within a story. That within the great narrative of the resurrection and Christ appearing to us and all of these, uh, Christ appearing to the disciples and being raised from the dead, you have this, this miniature gospel story within the story. That's something which has always grabbed me about the walk to Emmaus. I know you've preached on this passage uh, probably probably more times than, uh, than you care to remember. But um, maybe would you like to share something that stood out for you about this passage when you think of walk to Emmaus? What, what grabs you? Hmm. 
So there are a few things. I think the perhaps the main thing is the the fact that you had these disciples walking to Emmaus. Um, they were despondent. They were disillusioned. It was almost like an anticlimax in their lives because everything that they'd hoped for didn't seem to materialize. Christ was dead, and as far as they were concerned, he was buried. And then he draws near to them, and um, you're following the whole story. Their lives are completely transformed. Transformed from disillusionment to, uh, to, to joy and excitement, so much so that in the middle of the night, they are prepared to go back to Jerusalem to share this with the other disciples. So that transformation for me has always been important. But I think the other thing that has always struck me is the fact that, that Jesus was with them and they did not recognize him. And for me, this is a picture not simply of, um, of Christ coming into our lives and bringing us into new experience, but a picture of even as followers of Christ, to be walking along a road with Christ and yet not knowing his presence. And that for me has been a challenge because I think very often this is where people find themselves. Um, they have all the right language, all the, uh, the culture of Christianity. And somehow for some people, the, the reality of the risen, risen Christ is something which escapes them. So that has been um, something that, that has always struck me. The other thing has been the content of the conversation. Now you speak of a story within a story, but if I can use the same illustration, what Jesus is relating to them is also a story within a story. Right. Because he speaks to them about Moses and the prophets and everything that they said about him. And so you have a repeat of that illustration. Mm. in the conversation that Jesus has with them. Absolutely. Now, those are the things that, I, that I've focused on. Okay. Well, speaking about um, Christ being alongside them and uh, and them not recognizing them, I don't know if it, the whole comment will fit on the screen there, but uh, Phil's asked a question. Reverend Bosch, how does Luke's Emmaus story parallel Matthew's Great Commission teach people what I've taught you Go out, and I will be right alongside you. Thinking about the the fact that he journeys with us, and we sometimes don't even don't even recognize him, as you said. Hmm. I would say that the um, the important thing for me is the risen presence of Christ to to see that not as as a Christ who is who is with you, but rather one who is within you. And people often speak and say, well, yeah, I'm trying to be like Jesus. Um, my understanding of the gospel is that in a very real sense, we in fact are the very presence of Christ in this world. Right. And the word that we have is a word which he has committed to us that in our ministry, we are to be Christ to people. And I think for me that, um, that is the important thing um, in speaking about Christ with us. I would speak of him as being within us and using us and all the gifts that he's given to us for that ministry. Right. If we, um, if we touching back into, into the, um, 
the content of the sermon. My the, the first point that I made was perhaps along uh, similar lines to that, Dad, where you have the importance of being open to interruption. So in in the context of what what um, what Phil was was perhaps saying over there, you you answered in saying we are the presence of Christ, and I would see that that our being the presence of Christ would possibly be an interruption in somebody else's faith journey, where God is using us to to interrupt something in their journey. Um, I think that that. The, the interruption is the all-important part because it often falls flat there for me in terms of when we don't allow Christ to interrupt. I know you shared a little bit about your actual conversion, but is there, is there some, um, some part of your life or some story that you could maybe share with us where you've felt Christ's interruption in a very particular and clear way and, and how that maybe led to an invitation or an impact? So yes, in fact, there have been many interruptions, and uh, they've both been dramatic, and some have been more of a nudging along the way. And I think that's the nature of the interruptions that come from from God. At times they are dramatic, at other times um, they, He nudges us and nudges us until we actually listen. But there's one um, one interruption that I'll never ever forget. I was part of a, a large um, Holy Spirit Conference. There are probably about 10,000 people gathered together. And at the opening of um, the conference, the, the person who was, who was leading it asked us to identify ourselves as to the, the churches we came from, what country we came from, and so on. And so people stood up. There were Baptists and Presbyterians, and, and goodness knows how many. And after he had finished, uh, he said, now, is there anyone? who I have not mentioned. And there was one fellow who came in late. He ambled across the front and he came and sat down and he actually stood up. And my comment to my, my colleague was, oh yes, he looks just like a Baptist and he's late as well. And uh, he was asked to introduce himself. And he said, I'm actually a Jew I came to know Christ just a few days ago. I don't belong to any church, but I'm here to, to learn. All I can say is that those words hit me as if it was a punch in the stomach. Mm. Because up until that time, I mean, I knew who was going to go to heaven and who was going to go to hell. I, I was so set in my mind as to judging people. Right. And seeing seeing them through through my eyes instead of through the eyes of Christ, and um, and I knew at that moment that this was an interruption of um, of of making me realise that actually um, being judgmental of any person was not part of my life, and uh, we need to see people through the eyes of Christ, and that and that changed a whole lot of things within me. But it was an interruption which. It was uh, it was drastic, and I think God probably knew that I needed that. Um, but that certainly changed changed many things in my ministry, and I saw people completely differently after that. Oh, I knew that for every person, there's a story. But that's yeah. one of the interruptions, Stuart, that I um, never, will never forget. 
No, for sure. And particularly those those dramatic ones uh, really do stick out in our mind. And friends, if you are as you are watching, feel free to continue with the comments or if there are questions you have on Sunday service or even share a little interruption that you have experienced of, of God in your life, please um, feel free to do that. I think uh, I the dramatic interruptions are are often these in, these incredible sort of gut-punching moments, like you said, Dad. Um, very often, though, I think the um, the interruptions can be part of that nudging, 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 like you said. And mm. if we look at the 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 sermon on on Sunday, and we try and analyze if if someone's listening to the sermon, saying, "Well, what what would an interruption? What kind of thing should I be looking out for?" as an interruption in this 2020, in this context of our life, um, in, in modern day times, what are the kind of things or the kind of ways God interrupts us? You know, I'd say, first of all, I think um, the fact that we, in this um, um, COVID-19 situation, I don't think that that changes anything apart from the fact that we have a lot more time to think, and especially in the lockdown, a lot more time to, to deal with things. And, um, and I would say probably for a lot of people, it is the, uh, the nudging uh, interruption. Um, I think there are people who probably listen to far more messages than they've ever listened before in terms of, of television and, and so on. Um, but I think that nudging would be there. And I would say that the... Um, for a person who who is struggling to come to terms with an understanding of God, perhaps the first thing is to um, to let go of of the many many things which which we are bombarded with concerning what God is like, and remember that actually God loves you as an individual person. Now, whatever your circumstances, whatever your situation, don't let your image or your understanding of God be determined by what you've read or what you've heard, but rather by what you what you know in terms of, of God as being a God who, who loves and who cares. And I would say don't be afraid of the nudges, but respond to it um, as, as best you can and allow the Spirit of God to, to lead you and to take you and, uh, and don't be afraid of the nudges for How God is real and He's active in your life. How do those nudges come? Is it a voice? Is it scripture? Is it um, messages? Is it other people? What What do you think is the, the method of the nudge? Stuart, I think all those methods, all of them. <clears throat> um, yeah, it might even be, for example, just uh, um, under a lockdown situation where there's been friction between a husband and wife, the nudge might well be, uh, yeah, I need to do something about my marriage. Uh, I need to spend more time with my children, uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Or, or let me just pick up the Bible. Maybe there's a word I can read. Or let me listen to the preacher. Um, yeah, it can be anything. Um, those, those, those nudges are there. There may be a particular thing a person is struggling with and um, can't find an answer. I would advise a person simply to, to be still, to listen. Listen for the voice of God in that situation and, well, um, and respond to it. 
Well, one of the one of the comments there was that that sometimes you you hit rock bottom before you actually um, are willing to listen to those nudges, and I think that's that's very true as well. Sometimes yeah. it's a, sometimes we only believe God is actually speaking to us or interrupting us when when we are emptied of every other possible um, distraction. Yeah. If I can uh, move on a little bit, Dad, uh, we, we you spoke about an invitation that uh, the event where that Jewish person spoke of his um, his coming to Christ that that led you to an invitation where you actually asked Christ to um, or allowed Christ to to deal with that issue um, uh, within you which is uh, which is really beautiful um, the invitation for Jesus to actually do something within our lives is I think for me, something that has to be a conscious effort. Without breaking any confidentiality, are there are there moments in your ministry where you've seen uh, invitations that have really stood out? Stuart, I have, and I think God, um, certainly in terms of the ministry, in my ministry, has given me you know, a few glimpses to say to me, you're doing okay. You know, um, He's at work. I think the, um, and, and the amazing thing is that what you think is the invitation, in fact, um, you find that God works in spite of you. Mm. I think the situation where early in my ministry, I, I had a call about one o'clock in the morning. This guy was, was absolutely furious. His wife had joined the church. The children were in the Sunday school, and he felt that this was a complete disruption of his life. Um, as I heard, it was one o'clock in the morning, and I wasn't quite sure whether he was sober either. But anyway, I, I got out of bed and and went to his home. Uh, he opened the door and invited me in, and um, yeah, I, was, I was glad not to be knocked on the head. But um, I went in, and we, we started the conversation. I was there for about, yeah, until about four o'clock in the morning, and uh, left, and, and by the time I'd left, I'd actually led him to Christ. He healed himself to Christ, him and his family, and it was a beautiful experience. It was some time later that he testified in the church, and he said, you know, I don't remember a word that Fred said. <laughs> I can't tell you what he was speaking about. He said, but what struck me was that this guy was prepared to get up at 1 o'clock in the morning to come to my house where I threatened to beat him up, and, and to listen to me. And and God used that to change a man's life and to change the life of his family. And um, again, it made me realize that actually, you don't know what God is doing and how he will use whatever you offer in terms of the life that you're living as, as his child. Mm. So that is one that, that stands out. Another one, if I can just say very quickly, is a young couple um, they were both very young. She was pregnant, and they came to me and said, we, need, we really want to get married, and nobody will marry us. We've been to, you mentioned all the churches they've been to, but they all want us to, to belong to the church for a year and all that kind of thing. They said, would you, would you marry us? And um, I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll marry you, but just give me, just give me three weeks. Um, will you come and see me and... We'll have some preparation classes, and then I'll marry you. 
as I said, she was pregnant and they came to the classes. They were very keen. They were very happy that I was prepared to marry them. The parents had virtually abandoned them. They felt the marriage wasn't right. Anyway, so I married them and um, they continued coming to church for um, probably about two months after that. And then I never saw them again. It was some years later when I was conducting another wedding that this couple came up to me and uh, I didn't recognize them at all. And the fellow said to me, um, Reverend Bosch, do you remember me? I said, no. He said, you were the guy who was prepared to, to marry us. We were very, very young. My wife was pregnant. And you said you would do it. He said, well, I just want to say to you that that set our lives on a course. He said, here's my wife. Here are our three children. We love the Lord. And he's part of our family. And our lives are based on him. And... It's that kind of thing where you don't know how God will work. No. Um, but those are ones that, yeah, by, by the grace of God, I've, I've been able to witness, and that's been good. I saw a, um, a business exec once who um, felt God interrupting him in terms of the business practices and uh, decided to invite Christ into the way they actually ran uh, their business. And uh, quite literally turned down millions um, in exchange for running a business that that would be run on on Christian principles and and would care for for employees and and make a difference in the community. And uh, it's astounding to to see how how that invitation then um, then has the impact, which is what um, is, is what the final point of the sermon was: um, the impact in that married couple's life, the impact in the, in the business. And the impact to us in uh, uh, individually. I just want to dash back to a comment quickly, Dad, that was made. It's a question that was asked uh, by Bronwyn. Do you think that sometimes we only recognise interruptions in hindsight? Yes, I do. I, uh, yeah, someone had said that you only really know answers to prayer. Yeah, 50, 50 years down the line. <laughs> But um, I honestly believe that, that when you look back, you can see the interruptions of God without even having been aware of it. And this is where um, I find that, that God is an incredibly patient and gentle with us in many ways, especially where we, our hearts are set on pleasing him. Um, he doesn't force himself on us at all. And it's only afterwards, as this person has said, that we, we realize that God is actually been at work in our lives in a way which we never even thought about yeah for sure in terms of um i don't want to uh, run over time here but just just briefly in terms of um the the impact that is made i was speaking of an impact when lives are turned around it's an impact not just for the life itself but for those around and we began talking about um, being the presence of Jesus. And I said, sometimes there would be an interruption uh, in, in people's lives. Can you just maybe elaborate just for a, a second or two on, on what being the presence of Jesus in somebody's life uh, looks like or what, what impact that you see having in people's um, faith journey? Yes, I think the... Um... <clears throat> Perhaps the very first thing, Stuart, is for people to know that they are that they are loved, that they are ac accepted, and that they are significant. 
uh, but they actually matter. And when you have any dealings with them, for them to recognize that, that actually they are important. And I think this is one of the things which you see in the ministry of Jesus, that wherever he ministered, uh, you find that he reaches out to the individual person. And regardless of whether it was a person who was blind or a leper uh, or a prostitute, that person was significant in the eyes of Christ. And I think it is that which makes an impact on people's lives, especially in a, in a, um, in a, in a generation where, where you don't matter, you're just a consumer. Um, but for people to, to know that they are important. And in that situation, to, to be the presence of Christ and discerning you know, when to speak the word of invitation, the word of encouragement, uh, the word of direction, um, he will guide you in that. Mm. And the impact that is made is, in fact, that's not the focus of your life. The impact is left to God. The focus of your life is to simply be Christ to that person. Let God use whatever he will and how he will. I often think that when you when you are open to the Spirit, um, he, 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 you are open to the Spirit using you. He moves at times you least expect, in ways you least expect. And... Uh, and uh, like that comment was earlier, whether um, we, we simply um, are the vessel that allows him to do that. Yeah. Um, Dad, we, we're at the end of our time. My goodness, that half an hour went, <laughs> went really, really quickly. Yeah, um, any, just uh, in closing off, any final thoughts on uh, the story to Emmaus or on some of the comments that you've seen? We didn't, we didn't get to all of them. Um, but uh, but we we got to most of the of the ones that were that were questions and um, and some of the ones are just uh, saying thank you for for sharing in uh, in the time that you've been here. So any any last comments you want to mention? Well, first of all, just to say that some of those comments have come from people that we that we know and that I know and uh, and thank you for that. Um, I would say in terms of the of the message, I would encourage people to focus on the the content of the of the conversation that Jesus had with the disciples now when he speaks about um, what he was written about by by Moses the prophets later on he says the Psalms as well I think for us to to grow in the Christian way um, we need to to be close to the Word of God. We need to study the Word of God. We need to, to take that whole story of God revealing himself and see the wonder of it fulfilled in the life of Jesus. And that growth takes place, as I say, as we, we give time to the Word of God and, and hear what Christ is saying to us in our present day. I think that would be, be the kind of you know, what, what I would uh, focus on in Thank terms you, of, of that story. And that's a lovely, that's a lovely place to end our, our connecting conversation. Uh, thank you being, for being part of it. Thank you to each and every one who, who commented. And hopefully, as we do more of these, uh, the comments will continue to come and, and questions of, uh, of connection. Dad, it's been absolutely lovely to interview you. I'm amazed at uh, the wonders of modern technology that you're sitting in, in, uh, in Howick in South Africa and me in Bundaberg in Australia. And yet we talk... Uh, 
like this on the same screen. So it's been great yeah. being able to do this with you. Lovely to have you as part of the conversation. Um, your check is in the mail. Uh, so have a, have a look out for that. I'm aware <laughs> South Africa's mail system is very bad. So don't hold your breath for too long, Dad. But, uh, but yeah, thank you very much. And um, appreciate that. Stuart, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been good to just chat to you. And um, we have very, very special memories of, of Bundaberg, and we hope it won't be too long before we're able to see the folk again. But yeah. God bless, and every blessing on your ministry. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. Thank Love you, you, friends. And uh, as, we, as we close off from this, it's been uh, wonderful to have you as part of the Connecting Conversations. I look forward to next Tuesday. We will uh, connect again uh, with another special guest over, um, over the things that impact us or the things that you would like to talk about and uh, question and ask in our, in our sermons. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening and stay safe.